1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events.
0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for news in Chicago and across the world. Bronzeville is the latest Chicago community turning to private security firms to deter crime. Alderwoman Sophia King of the 4th Ward announced a pilot program last week that would bring together community organizers with guards from Halo Security Group to patrol neighborhood streets. The program is set to start in two weeks and is estimated to cost $100,000. A little later in the show, we'll talk with two researchers about just how effective private security can be in keeping neighborhoods safe. But first, we are joined by Alderwoman Sophia King to learn more about the program Alderwoman, I want to start with the motivation behind this pilot program. Why do you want to bring in private security guards to the streets of your ward?
2: So, you know, again, we're doing uh, violence intervention as well as private security. Uh, This is something I've been working with our, we've been working with our community on uh, for some time. Everyone deserves to be safe in their home, at work, uh, at school. Uh, And the city should be, you know, ensuring that everyone is safe. But they're failing at that, and because they are, private citizens are stepping up uh, to fill that gap. You know, my plan wants to put more eyes on the streets as well as uh, looking at long-term intervention, which is why we're also partnering with uh, ex-cons for community and social change. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially we had uh, University of Chicago covers a really large footprint, um, in my ward, and there h- are hiring um, ambassadors, which are the same kind of unarmed security from Hyde Park, mm-hmm. you know, all the way to North Kenwood, Oakland, and Kenwood. And it excluded their footprint, doesn't include Grand Boulevard. So this pilot is just in Grand Boulevard um, so that we can kind of duplicate the ambassadors' for eyes and ears on the street, yeah. but also. We've had some repeat areas of gun violence, and we want to get at some of the root causes of that. And so we also invited um, ECCSC, who we know that have done um, good work in the community, to also uh, participate in making our community safer.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm glad you brought up some of those other initiatives here across the city, we talked earlier this year on reset with residents over in Bucktown and Lincoln Park at the time that sure. they decided to to hire private security. Um, and we know that 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 idea has just grown ever since. Have you talked with residents over there or other aldermen about how effective these patrols are? Yeah, i
2: I, I haven't spoken specifically with how effective I, I'm pretty sure I've heard it's working in Lincoln Park. And we're duplicating and expanding, you know, some of those types of efforts. We've been working with, you know, our community uh, on this, like I said, for some time. And we believe uh, that, you know, it will be uh, effective if we have more eyes and ears on the street Uh, during good times, people get to know them, and also have, as I said, a violence intervention program to look at and to form relationships with some of these, what it seems to be, repeat offenders who haven't um, been held accountable, but to try and understand, you know, what's going on mm-hmm. um, in the family, what's going on, you know, with these youth, um, and to provide mentorship um, and to get, you know, really at some of the root causes. Yeah. You know? And I want to uplift that uh, piece of it. It's being overlooked. We keep talking about right. the private security, but we're really looking at this holistically.
0: So without having those conversations, I I wonder what evidence you have then that that these sorts of private patrols are effective at at deterring crime. Like what what keeps you so optimistic that it'll work?
2: Yeah, so so there is evidence in Lincoln Park that it has worked. Um, I've I've heard that. I haven't talked to that alderman is now gone. Um, And there's a a new alderman there. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So we do know that there's evidence. And with the private uh, security, um, so their job will be to, you know, call the intervention uh, partner, so in this case, ECCSC, or ESCONS for Community and Social Change, and or uh, the police, if it needs to be escalated to that. But they're also in contact with each other, uh, because sometimes ECCSC can uh, provide de-escalation and just, you know, police are way out of safety, although I think police are needed as part of the plan, as, as mm-hmm. I know you guys have talked about. Would like to pivot to some of those comments um, and adjust some of those as well. Um, but we need, you know, this type of collaboration with everybody.
0: So just so we're clear, Alderwoman Halo Security um, and the uh, Excons for Community and Social Change—they'll uh, all be working with Chicago Police on this initiative.
2: Yeah, they're working together. We've had, you know, several meetings. Um, with each of them, to talk about um, you know specifics in terms of of um, you know kind of our plan and and who's there uh, to do what and yeah so everybody you know will be working together. Mm-hmm.
0: How often will there be patrols?
2: Yeah, so they'll they'll only be there you know Thursday through Sunday, okay, um, and in the evening hours. Um, so you know it's not twenty four seven, but these are the hours that we're you know, experiencing uh, the highest uh, amounts of of crime in our community.
0: I imagine, woman, that some listeners right now are listening to us and they're thinking that these sorts of patrols are really the job of police officers. Is the use of, of these private patrols an indictment of the Chicago Police Department?
2: As I said earlier, you know, the city should be ensuring, you know, that everybody is safe. Uh, but we're failing at that. I think we do... Need to have more police officers in communities uh, where they belong, where they belong. And so right now, you know, they're they're not um, in the communities where they belong, or in the communities uh, that need them the most, and at the right time. So yes, I do feel that the current uh, plan um, is failing uh, the residents, which is why, you know, I uh, came up with a safety plan. As you know, we need to double down, uh, quadruple down on the amount of money that we're putting into violence intervention. The city council allocated $85 million this year for violence intervention. Not even $5 million was spent. If our priority is the safety of our community, then, then why haven't we allocated those resources? We need to work with all of our safety partners in order to do that. I think violence intervention is a strong piece of that.
0: Well, let's dig more into this, uh, Alderwoman. As you mentioned, we did... Sure discuss uh, your um, safety plan on our program last week. So I I would love for Mm -hmm. you to get a chance to give us an overview. You've made announcements about other initiatives that you believe will help reduce crime in this city. So talk more about what those plans are in addition to this private security team idea. Yeah.
2: So, so, as I said, violence intervention is a huge part of that, but also putting more officers in our communities, I believe, Uh, that, um, you know, police are a part of the solution. They're not the only solution. They can't do it alone, but they are part of our community. They are our brothers, our sisters, our uncles, our aunts. And I believe we can both uplift them and hold them accountable. Um, So we need more presence. And like I said, they're not in the places that they need to be, in the most violent areas and in the most frequent times. And that's just poor leadership. Um, And so part of that, for me is making them available, so taking them, you know, out of these units and back into the community.
0: When you talk about violence intervention, I want to be clear what you mean.
2: Violence intervention programs are ran by organizations with community credibility, um, uh, often with uh, formerly um, incarcerated individuals as part of that program in collaboration, you know, with government, with community organizations to uh, target, if you will, people who are likely to be shot or to shoot or at highest risk for gun violence. And they uh, try and mentor them, bring them into the fold, offer them incentives uh, to come off of the street, and then also offer trauma-informed care, um, like I said, mentorship, okay, uh, job training.
0: You mentioned accountability, a few moments ago, Alderwoman, sure. woman, how will halo security be held accountable in case an accident occurs like is there an oversight body of some kind
2: we are we've been working with the community on this uh, the Grand Boulevard advisory council as a safety uh, subcommittee who is very involved with this but I will, would like to say again the the picture that you're painting is different these are unarmed ambassadors who will be extra eyes and ears on the street. And so uh, you know, when you reference if something happens, I'm not quite sure what what you mean by that, but you know, they are unarmed in the community. I mean altercations along, could,
0: could occur. It, they're stopping crime, right?
2: Well no, they they would they are unarmed security who um whose job it would be to call the police if there's something
0: I mean, you you say it's being portrayed a certain way. Why do you think maybe it's not sticking with some folks? This idea.
2: Well, no. I you just mentioned if something happens, and I you know okay. I just was pushing back that um, that you know these are extra eyes and ears on the street. Um, you know, unarmed. Um, it is not their job to uh, stop crime.
0: How about a um, how about a push for community engagement rather than private security?
2: Oh, we've done that. So you know, throughout we've, like I said, the uh, Grand Boulevard Advisory Council. Um, the community has been engaged. So this has been a process that is led uh, by the community uh, that I serve, um, and it's at their request and their input uh, that we've come to these decisions.
0: Let's turn now to what research tells us about the effectiveness of private security patrols. Joining us now is Marco Fabri, Senior Assistant Professor at the University of Bologna, and Will Pelfrey, Professor in the Wilder School of Government and Public Policy at Virginia Commonwealth University. Professor Fabri, we'll start with you. You published a paper in 2020 that looked at the use of private security patrols, and you refer to them as, quote, unquote, observe and report patrols. So tell us a bit about the program they tested over in Oakland.
3: Yes, uh, please let me start by sharing the blame for eventual mistake with my co-authors, Jonathan Click, a professor at UPenn. Um, What we did was uh, to evaluate uh, a patrol program that was uh, enacted, uh, started actually by a group of private citizens in Oakland, California, in 2013. Um, The idea was precisely to check uh, with some empirical strategies that mm, are relatively common in economics, but not so much in, uh, uh, let's say, in the public policy uh, speeches, whether these observer um, report patrolling uh, uh, systems, so basically unarmed patrols that would uh, eventually patrol a certain district and report to police possible crime events would be effective in uh, diminishing crime rate. Um, what we find uh, is that there is a um, certain evidence of reduction of crime in the short term, in the short run, especially burglaries and uh, property crimes, mm-hmm. n- not of violent crimes so much, but actually we do find that over longer periods, so past a few months, four to five months, this effect vanishes and disappears, and we, our data allowed us to check a period of a couple of years, actually three years after the introduction. It didn't look that the program was effective, at least in this um, Oakland experience okay. in, in reducing crime substantially.
0: And, and so we're clear, Professor Fabri, in Oakland, were they armed or unarmed? Unarmed patrols, so okay. the,
3: uh, the, that's the observed report uh, from the title of the paper. So that was the only possibility for these uh, uh, private security guards.
0: So, Professor Pelfrey, we, as we just heard from uh, Professor Fabry, the, the program in Oakland wasn't effective. Is there other research out there that has investigated this use of private security patrols?
1: Some. Uh, Intuitively, this kind of program should work. If you put a security patrol or a uniformed presence that works in conjunction with the police, one would think that there's going to be a deterrent effect on crime. But the research is mixed. Um, As we just heard, the the effects are either short-term or not statistically significant, that is not sufficient to be measurable, Um, and in large part it depends on the nature of these security programs. Sometimes they're just regular citizens with walkie-talkies or cell phones. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're hired security forces. Sometimes they're private. Sometimes they're hired by um, by the local government or a city business district, so these programs vary widely. And measuring their effectiveness is extremely difficult. Crime goes up and down in cycles and um, for marginal effects like these kinds of programs are likely to produce, it's really hard to track them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'd love to hear from you both on this. What do you think the appeal is of these private security groups? Like, Why are city governments reaching more and more for this as a solution? You first, Professor Pelfrey.
1: Well, cities are looking for answers. Uh, There's a lot of crime out there, and there are few government resources to deal with that crime. Um, So cities are looking for paths that are not going to be extraordinarily expensive. They're finding the police are really difficult to hire, Uh, police are really difficult to retain right now. Police attrition is a huge problem nationally. Uh, Post George Floyd, fewer people want to be policed, fewer people want to stay in policing, and with a booming labor market, people are leaving the policing field and finding other employment. Yeah. So it's hard for police departments to keep people, so cities are looking for alternative means, and this looks like something that should work.
0: What do you think, Professor Fabri? Why the rising popularity of this solution?
3: Well, I definitely join Professor Palfrey. The cost of these programs is usually just a fraction of the cost of hiring an additional police officer, and even in those programs that requires the employment of uh, trained employees, trained private security guards, usually costs are much lower. Um, There is also a psychological effect. Uh, People demand for security is based also on beliefs and not objective data. So we know, for instance, from psychological research that most people think that crime increased in the last 20 years, while we know from a wide variety of sources of data that virtually in all the Western countries in the world, crime sharply declined. So I think visibility of an additional patrol can help uh, confidence of the um, of people of the community, but also Mm -hmm. voters of electors.
0: This idea, from what I hear you say, is uh, of private security patrols, it's something that maybe the optics, they make us feel better, but they're not really doing much.
3: Well, uh, I wouldn't be so sharp in my judgments. Um, Most economists always answer, it depends, and I would do so also in this case. Um, I would say at least they need a proper, these experiences Need proper calibration, as Professor Palfrey was uh, um, mentioning before. There are wide range of diff- different institutional or different uh, projects that has been have been attempted, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and um, we don't know much yet because of the, diff- the empirical difficulties in estimating the um, the effects. Uh, of these programs and because of the opacity also in the cost benefit analysis most of these programs are private we don't know exactly the data yeah. is different from what public uh, uh, government public administrations do where everything is transparent and data released so i would say possibly a public private uh, uh, partnership something that happened for instance in new orleans in the french quarter with uh, transparency uh, of the data and an administration that is mixed um, and possibly complementary between public and private police forces might help in both uh, reducing crime at a lower cost and eventually in learning from experience some, such a way that is possible to um, transport, uh, these, uh, uh, transplant these experiences in different contexts.
0: The uh, Chicago pilot program that we learned about earlier in this program, uh, it it involves a combination of community groups and private security. So, uh, Professor Pelfrey, what does the research tell us about the effectiveness of citizen patrols on safety?
1: Citizen patrols uh, don't have a lot of merit in the scholarly research. Um, They can increase feelings of safety, kind of the optics that uh, Dr. Fabry was just describing, Um, but there are some serious risks that come with citizen patrols. Um, There's a concern about vigilantism, citizens intervening in a crime when they don't have the right training or the right equipment. There's also a risk of those citizens becoming targets of um, nefarious enterprises, particularly gangs. Um, the, The attraction of a private security force supersedes Citizen patrols. Uh, The private security force is going to be better trained. They're going to have some idea of the kinds of people they're looking for, and they can frequently be funded through the private sector. The Philadelphia Center City business district is a great example. Dr. Fabry referred to New Orleans Mm -hmm. um, when private sector can pool some money when businesses can throw in with the public sector and produce this. Shared enterprise, and uh, Bob Stokes at the Paul University there in Chicago did some great research in Philadelphia, pointing to the utility of these um, uh, private sector hired or private sector supported security patrols, and the um, the increased feelings of safety, the likelihood of increased business, mm-hmm. and that benefits the business district and the crime commu- the criminal justice community.
0: So, Professor Palfrey, I mean this pilot program here in Chicago is, is estimated to cost $100,000. Do you think that's a cost-effective way to reduce crime?
1: So it depends on what else exists in those regions. Um, if those neighborhoods already have strong prisoner reentry programs, um, uh, recidivism prevention programs, drug addiction, rehabilitation and counseling programs, then that security effort could be money well spent. Uh, but I would argue that the the research demonstrates the value of prisoner reentry, of rehabilitation counseling, and reducing recidivism. Keeping somebody from becoming uh, going from a minor offender to a major offender, that's going to be a much more cost-effective measure than a citizen patrol program. Yeah.
0: Well, Professor Fabry, we're, we're just about out of time here, but um, if private security isn't the answer for, for cities, what solutions do you think they should consider? to help reduce violence and crime?
3: I definitely support uh, a mixed intervention that engages uh, the civil society. So this is, I think, an important message I want to, uh, to, to try to pass. It is important, fundamental, to engage the civil society into crime prevention. What Professor Palfrey was just uh, saying, that's not enough. We need specialized training. But programs like the one of Chicago, I'm very interested in, in checking out what will happen because uh, um, a mix of private and public in this, uh, in, in this arena, in, in this area, can deliver results that uh, are actually better off than only public uh, deterrence or only private deterrence.
0: We'll leave it there for now. That was Marco Fabri, Senior Assistant Professor at the University of Bologna, and Will Pelfrey, Professor in the Wilder School of Government and Public Policy at Virginia Commonwealth University. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Andrew Merriweather, and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more thoughtful conversations like this? Then subscribe to our podcast. And while you're there, leave us a rating. It really helps support the work that we do. That's all for Reset. We'll talk to you tomorrow.